I'm so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're focusing on artists' rights and making music. You know, we've been hearing about some very famous artists from hip hop and other music genres fighting to get control over what they create. But what does that really mean? How much is at stake? What's at stake for their careers? We've got an amazing panel to break this all down for us. Joining me is Rob Markman. He's a hip hop artist. His latest album, which is streaming on Spotify and iTunes, is If You Don't, You'll Regret It. Rob, great to have you with us. Lisa, thank you for always having me. One of my favorite shows. All right. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Also with us is Mark Hogan. He's a senior staff writer at Pitchfork. Mark, thank you so much for being with us. Lisa, thank you so much. Really great to be here. Thank you for being with us. Also with us is Matt Middleton. He's an entertainment attorney. He has his own firm, Middleton Law PC. He's also an adjunct professor at NYU. Matt, thank you so much for being with us. Lisa, thank you for having me. We go way back and I'm, yes, I'm we glad do. to and be so back. I'm so glad to have you on this one here. We got the professor with us. <laughs> glad to be back. School us on all this. Also joining us is Bobby Fisher. He's vice president of A&R at Empire Records, one of the labels that's got some of the hottest new talent out there in hip hop and drill. Bobby, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, thank you, Lisa, for having me again. Thank you. Rob, I want to start with you on this as the artist on the panel. When we're talking about artist rights, what are we really talking about? I mean, you know, I think we're talking about the, the freedom to, to control what you create and, and to exploit what you create. I, I think what a lot of artists don't kind of realize in the beginning is that you're the sole controller of, of everything that you create, right? You start out the original owner. And as you progress in your career and do different deals, you start to assign these rights to different entities a lot of times, you know, to a label. And that's okay because a lot of these labels are necessary. You know, a lot of these artists, you might need a label to get you to that next level. Nobody can do it alone. So you need to build out your team. Um, the most important thing though, is to recognize what it is that you actually own and what it is that you're actually giving away when you're signing these contracts. Well, I think that's the whole point. Matt, as an attorney and also as, as, as somebody who is teaching this to a lot of people, what, what Rob's mentioning, what is there to actually own? Because we hear these different terms, publishing, we hear the terms, you know, the, the sound, the sample, all these different things. How many different, I guess, properties or what do you, what do you call them? School us on that. Oh, it's, it's intellectual property. I mean, creators, music artists, songwriters, uh, producers, it's all intellectual property. Their creations, what they create um, is their property. Uh, when you're talking about recording artists, those physical recordings that they go into the studio and record are their creations and they own them um, based upon uh, whatever the arrangements are. And if they are writing or recording original songs written by a composer or another songwriter, the composer or the songwriters, those lyrics, those melodies, those are their creations. Those are their intellectual property. So those rights that we're talking about, artist rights, it all depends on, you know, if we're talking about master recordings or if we're talking about actual songs and composition. Bobby, as a, as a, a label executive, when, when a new artist comes to you and they've got a song and you're like, wow, this is, this is really great. This is something we can work with. We can develop this artist. What do you look for? Like, do, like what, how do you know that they're not using somebody else's beats or that they just jack the beats from somebody? I mean, how do you, how do you begin that whole process? Uh, I mean, in terms of that, it's, it's, it's so many different ways. I mean, obviously, nowadays, especially in New York, you have a lot of artists that are sampling records that obviously they, they don't have the rights for. And they're using that for promotion to blow up in terms of hopefully down the line that the label would take care of the, of the you know, the sample clearance or the right clearances. 
But if they're if they're developing something from original, you can kind of know the difference. I mean, obviously you can look at comments and stuff. And sometimes if somebody's sampling something, usually the fans or the people in the comments will let you know if it's being sampled or not. But it's it's so many different things nowadays. A lot of artists are self-contained. They have producers that they work with internally. So it's, it's, it's a lot of different ways that we, we can kind of determine if something's being sampled or not. And then to, and to, and to break it all down, Mark, why do you think, uh, you talk about this as music uh, artists rights in their music as kind of this grand reckoning that we're going through. We've, we've heard about artists back from the Motown era, African-American artists who were cheated out of a lot of money that they were owed for these huge hits that, that you know, people, pretty much everybody knows across generations. But why do you think there's so much focus on this now, just like in the ma mainstream, we're hearing about this with, with a lot of really famous artists. Why do you think this is happening? Well, I mean, there's a lot of money involved, first of all, and then I think streaming has has changed the game a bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's true that, you know, the label, um, you know, uh, what was it, uh, you know, the, the Tripolar Quest said, you know, um, no offense to anybody here, but you know, record companies are shady. Um, there's been a long history of you know going back to as you said, Motown and and all that. But then more recently, several years ago, there was the Blurred Lines case, a big copyright infringement lawsuit, where again, there's just a lot of money, and you, you can trace it all with streaming. You can see the exact numbers of who's listening to what. Um, there also uh, was, was litigation over Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin a few years ago, um, and, and a couple of years ago, I talked to a bunch of. Um, you know, kind of OG rappers from, uh, you know, like just the Sugar Hill days and also some uh, R&B artists from the 80s and uh, some, you know, old school kind of reggae artists from way back when. And, you know, they too had the kind of the same problem of just they, you know, they were young um, when they signed their deals. They maybe didn't know what they were worth because, I mean, who does uh, when you're just a kid and you just want to have your break. And then years later, they're kind of looking to find what they feel is, is justice. But I, I know there's you know, multiple sides on, on every deal. But um, yeah, it's, it's been a longstanding problem. So a lot more money, a lot more money at stake for everyone across the board. Yes, yeah, I mean, definitely. We, we saw, you know, the industry kind of, you know, collapsed in the you know, early 2000s after, uh, you know, Napster and file sharing. With streaming, you know, slowly but surely, it's been inching its way back, at least for the people who have the most streams, which we can talk about later. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of money um, uh, up for grabs. All right, when we come back, we'll find out more from our panel. Stay with us. Hey, what up, y'all? This is Lloyd, the King of Hearts, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people only on Hot 9-7. You did. Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers. We're talking about artists' rights and making music. There's a lot of people who are aspiring to be artists, a lot of people trying to make it into the music industry, and it's not just the artists who make music. There's producers, there's, uh, you know, there's people, songwriters, there's publishers, all kinds of things. We're going to break it all down for you with our panel and get a better understanding of what's really going on. Joining me is Rob Markman. He's a hip hop artist. His latest album streaming on iTunes and Spotify is If You Don't, You'll Regret It. Rob, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me, Lisa. We appreciate it. Also with us is Mark Hogan. He's a senior staff writer at Pitchfork. Mark, thank you so much for being with us. Lisa, thank you so much. Glad to be here. Thank you. Also joining us is Matt Middleton. He's an entertainment attorney, has his own law firm, Middleton Law PC. He's an adjunct professor at NYU as well. Matt, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me, Lisa. I'm glad. Now, to I be hope here. you're not going to bill street soldiers your you know, exorbitant <laughs> hourly fee here. We've got a um, lot to. This is a community <laughs> thing, a community. Think of it as a community uh, education. We'll try our best. We'll try All right. our best. I know, I know you will. Also with us is Bobby Fisher. He's the vice president of A&R at Empire Records. Bobby, thank you so much for being with us. Oh, thank you for having me, Lisa. We appreciate it. 
Matt, in terms of an artist, an artist comes to you, they wrote their song, they recorded the song themselves. What are the things that you look at to, to try to break down who owns what or what you need to do to protect them? Let's start from square one here. Oh, that's, that's interesting. So we start from square one. Um, you know, I always try to gauge if the client has signed or if the artist has signed any documents. Um, you'd be surprised how many times artists, you know, will come to you or come to your office and they say, hey, this is my song, this is my music, I put it out. And, you know, they don't tell you that they've signed an agreement with the former manager or production company or a producer, they don't have any paperwork with the producer that they work with. So there's a whole string of rights that we have to untangle just in terms of just trying to find out what they can and cannot do with this product. Um, you wanna know what collaborators they work with. Did they work with any musicians, any producers? Um, did they sample? Um, do we have the rights to use that sample? Um, did they work with any other songwriters? Did they have their friend featured on the record who's also rapping? you know, their rights involved with the other artists on the record. Um, so there's a lot, you know, if did they sign with a production company, usually, you know, artists will go to a certain individual, a certain group of guys who they want to invest in them. Um, and the guys are willing to invest in them to help further their career, but not realizing the documents that they're signing with them may be transferring significant rights um, to their career and controlling the interest going forward. So there's a lot to unravel when someone's starting out and they're recording music. You know, I tell clients when they go into the studio and they collaborate, try to have an understanding before you leave the studio, whose contributions reflect what with respects to a song, you know, who controls what interest or who contributed what interest to a song. There's a lot, there's a lot that goes into it. So much with it, by, by, and everybody feel free to jump in, please. Bobby, what about like somebody comes to you and they're like, they already have a manager and it's, you know, it's their cousin's, it's their cousin's friend who used to work in somebody's studio and understands the, is, is in the business and they sign something with them. I mean, what do you, how do you deal with that? I mean, at times it's almost a learning process, not only that you're teaching the artist, but you're teaching the team around the artist, which sometimes it can be difficult. Sometimes it could be a smoother process, but it's a, it's a, it's a retooling of a situation when you're dealing with that. I mean, typically when an artist comes in the scene, if they don't know anyone, it's typically, we call it the homeboy or the homegirl management. It could be the momager or popager. So it's, 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 it's a difficult process when you're dealing with that. Um, and you know, the, the rule of thumb is just to try to, you know, you would want the artist to get a, a professional team around them as much as possible. But there are some people who have great potential. They just need to be guided in the right path with the right correct resources, understanding getting the right lawyer, getting the right manager, right business accountant, you know, the right team around it to really build it correctly. Rob, as an artist yourself, and, and you've been in the hip hop scene in New York for a very long time, it's like, what are the things that you just, you know, worked on protecting, you know, with your new album, for example? Well, you know, first it was the music, making sure the music is right. Like you spend a lot of time in the studio writing and recording and re-recording and mixing and mastering. So, so you really spend all that time making sure the music is right. Um, making sure that my collaborators that, you know, like what Matt said, that there's an understanding. Typically, you know, if, I, if I'm working with just one producer, um, you know, we split the record 50-50. He has the music side, which he wrote, he produced, so he wrote those musical notes. I have the lyrics, which I write myself. So we have an understanding and we have agreements on how we're gonna split this thing up. And then, you know, you 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 start slicing the pie. If I bring in a, a feature, you know, I have two features on my 
album. And so, you know, they get a piece of the publishing, you know, as well, based off of their contributions. Um, but, but it's really respecting what we all created together. And then after that, um, you know, I'm completely independent right now, so I control everything. But, you know, knowing that when I'm partnering with somebody, when I'm signing away, first it starts with respecting the creative process and, and, and putting some work to what you actually created. And not just the dollar amount, but like some pride in the thing that you made. And I'm just not going to give it away to anybody, but I will assign pieces of my work to people who truly contributed to the work and who deserve their piece of the pie. And Mark, Mark in terms of the really famous artists that we have, like Taylor Swift, Kanye West, we see them trying to fight for their music, you know, for their music. And people think, well, if, if they, if they're getting screwed as famous as they are, and as big as these hit songs are, like it could happen to anybody. It's like, why, why are we seeing more of these cases? Do you think? Yeah, Lisa, that, that, that's what I was going to say. I mean, I think that's part of why this is in the public eye so much right now is, you know, Taylor Swift is somebody who's really used her role to kind of call attention to like, you know, music copyright law, which is not something that we're generally talking about uh, in the mainstream with her battle to uh, reclaim control over her masters and her masters again is the, you know, the sound recordings, which is separate as, as Matt was saying from uh, the, the publishing, which is just the uh, composition, which means the song and lyrics. So you have the masters, which is the sound recording and that's one set of rights. And then you have uh, you know the composition or the publishing, which is like the lyrics and the, the melody you could write down in sheet music. Um, but then you've got um you know Kanye West you know just now who put out his new album on this new device called stem and yeah you see these big artists who are kind of like there's a lot of money out there why am I not getting a bigger share of it I'm the person I mean as, as Rob was pointing out I mean you take pride in your art you're creating it um obviously everybody needs help but they're, they're looking at it and seeing these tech companies that are spending um you know, what was it two hundred million dollars? What the New York Times reported uh, Joe Rogan's the podcaster Joe Rogan's deal was with Spotify. So if you're an artist, you're like this podcaster is getting two hundred million dollars. You know, where is my cut? And Lisa, where is it, Matt? Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I just wanted to add on. Mark, Mark sparked something in me. I mean, the reality of it is, what why everything is being heightened now is because we are talking about hundreds of millions, billions of dollars that are now being generated by our music industry today. When we can see artists like Sting and Bob Dylan sell their catalogs for half a billion dollars, billion, half a, half a billion dollars, millions and millions of dollars, we're talking about a significant amount of money. When we could talk about Universal going public and being valued at over $50 billion, there's a lot of money at stake. And at the end of the day, it's the artists, it's the songs, it's the music that are generating these high valuations. So it's right for artists now. It's an exciting time. Artists should be more paying more attention to the rights that they're transferring and how can they get a bigger piece of the pie. That's what we're really talking about. No, just absolutely. Add, Bobby? Yes, just to add on what Matt's saying, I think artists is going to start really to, to learn and educate themselves on catalog acquisition, understanding what multiples are. You know, you you know. Let's just say, for instance, that your song is what generated. Are, what are multiples? I don't. What are multiples? Okay, this is a, this is a good one. Uh, so typically in these catalog acquisitions, when you see in deals like Bruce Springsteen and and these other artists, and they're selling their catalogs for five hundred million, it's typically how much is going to be it worth times ten or eighteen multiples. Wow. So if you see something Hopefully higher worth, than that, it could be higher <laughs> than that. So if something's worth, if something's generating a million dollars a year. 
you know, it, the deal can go for up to, you know, 30, 40, 50 million because you're looking at the long haul. Like what people don't really understand about streaming, it's, it, it's a repeat business model. So it's not like, like in the eighties, you bought a Michael Jackson album. It was a one-time purchase. When you're talking about residual income and streaming, it can last for a long time. If you're talking about syncs, if you're talking about rights, if you're talking about new DSPs, if there's a new, a new, a new iTunes or a new Spotify, it can open up a whole new set of revenue. Then there's cell phone activations. Like, you know, every day there's a kid turning 18 who's getting a new cell phone. There's a lot of different stuff when dealing with streaming revenue. So people need to understand not the short-term value, but the long-term value. All right, yeah, we're, gonna and, and, short, uh, we're gonna take a short break. And uh, when we come back, hip hop is the number one most streamed form of music in the world. And what does that mean for the culture? We'll find out what our guests have to say when we return. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be right back. Yeah, yeah, what up, what up, what up? This is Styles Peter Ghost, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people, only on Hot 97. Yeah, Ghost told you so. Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're talking about artist rights and making music. Have a great panel breaking it all down for us. Rob Markman is with us. He's a hip-hop artist. His latest album is If You Don't, You'll Regret It. Great to have you with us, Rob. Thanks for having me, Lisa. Thank you so much. Also with us is Mark Hogan. He's a senior staff writer at Pitchfork. Mark, thank you so much for being with us. Lisa, thanks so much. We appreciate it. Also joining us is Matt Middleton. He's an entertainment attorney and an adjunct professor at NYU. Matt, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me, Lisa. I'm glad to be back. Yep, glad to have you back. And he's also has his own law firm, Middleton Law PC. Also joining us is Bobby Fisher. He's the vice president of A&R with Empire Records. Bobby, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, thank you for having me again, Lisa. Thank you. When we talk about the, the, the scope of hip hop, you know, hip hop a couple years ago was officially announced as the number one most streamed form of music in the world. But so when there's that kind of exposure, how easy is it for people to copy something from what someone else is doing, Rob, what do you think about that? Oh, it, it happens all the time. Like, you know, just, first of all, I think, and I, I, I don't want to get the number wrong, but I, I think Spotify says something, there's about 20,000 new records uploaded each day. It might be 40,000 by now, it might wow. have doubled. There's tens of thousands of new records uploaded to Spotify each day. Um, and, you know, also the artists have, you know, as artists, we have way more tools at our disposal. Empire is a great distribution company, a great label. Actually, my first deal was through Empire and we did great, great business together and they got me my start. But there's DistroKid, there's TuneCore, there's a lot of these self-serve distribution methods where artists can upload their music without a label straight from their computer. Um, and with that, you know, you're going to have some things are gonna you know, slip through the cracks, right? Like maybe not every sample gets cleared. Maybe somebody jacked your song. You know, a lot of times you see a lot of instances where, you know, Juice World, the late Juice World, for an example, um, had leaked songs that were unreleased from his catalog and then uploaded under different artists' names. And you see this a lot of times and the DSPs have to like really figure out how to get a hold of this. But, you know, rights are vi artist rights are violated all the time. Um, and, and, and you really have to be diligent about the thing that you create. And hopefully, like, like Matt, have a good lawyer or someone on your side who can help you fight these things. And when you guys are talking about DSPs, we, we mean digital streaming platforms? Is that what that is? Correct. Okay. Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, all of those. YouTube. All, all these things digital. Um, Mark, Mark in, ter in terms of hip hop, because it's just now we're seeing, you know, the so many blending of genres, so many other artists 
collaborating with hip hop artists and using those different things. Is that making, is that, do you think that's adding to creativity or as a music connoisseur yourself, do you feel that's diluting, diluting the genres? Uh, no, I mean, I think the more people, you know, draw influence from each other, you know, usually the better. I mean, that leads to more and more creativity. I mean, I think there certainly would be concerns of people, um, you know, appropriating from experiences that aren't their own, you know, um, and, and that sort of thing. But I, I mean, I think as far, as far as creativity, the more that we, you know, draw influence from, uh, you know, around the world. And I mean, hip hop is definitely, you know, like the leading, you know, the leading cultural movement for, you know, decades now. So that, that's, that should be where the vitality is creatively. Man, what about like how finite does it get it in terms of looking at the rights? Like if somebody has like a sequence of a couple notes, you know, like these hooks, somebody has a hook. Is that something that's copyrighted? Does that belong to somebody? I mean, how how how, how minute does it get? No, no, no. Well, as musicians, the musicians would tell me like, you know, you can't copyright. There's only 12 notes. You can't yeah. copyright notes. You can't copyright chord progressions. But an artist's original creation, how they express their music, their, their compositions, their lyrics, their melody, that's their creation and that's protectable. Um, so whether or not you're using, you know, it's all about integrity, whether or not you're using or copying someone's intellectual property, their creation, incorporating it into your new creation, you probably owe that individual a piece of your, of your new creation. It's a derivative work now because you're incorporating somebody else's pre-existing work into your work, no matter how small or how large you're using. You know, you're using somebody else's creativity to assist in your creativity. Bobby, what about that? Especially like with hip hop, like there's always a controversy, you know, artists that don't write their own, you know, rappers that don't write their own, uh, their, their own songs. They use, they use ghost writers. That's, you know, there's a certain number of people that do that. And then there's also the, um, you know, in, in terms of they, you know, if they have like kind of a group, you know, from the neighborhood or, or friends or whatever, they all kind of start out together and this guy's doing a verse and they're doing it collaboratively. How do you, how do you sort through all of that as, as a label head when, you know, somebody really hot comes to you and they're like, oh yeah, you know, my, my guy did that or my, you know, my friend did that or whatever. I, I mean, I believe, I believe in the, um, I, I think people should get credited for their work. Um, I think we have to kind of get rid of the whole ghostwriter thing because, you know, there have been writers from the past that haven't been compensated for their work. I, again, I think sometimes it takes a village to create a song. Um, if people are contributing, they deserve to get be compensated and they deserve to be credited for their work. And this is why metadata is so important. Also being in the studio, capturing all the people who are contributing to the record in the studios. Because sometimes artists, artist managers, people just get absent-minded and they forgot who who contributed to the record, and it could create, you know, a a firestorm down the road if or people are not really being properly compensated. So my my rule of thumb is is to make sure that whoever's contributing to the work, make sure there's a split sheet in place, make sure there's metadata, make sure there's obviously agreements in place so you can move forward and you don't you know you don't suffer maybe a potential disaster down the road if something becomes really successful and everyone has their hands out. Rob, do you think that hip hop artists get what they deserve? Um, I think Jay-Z gets what he deserves. It looks like <laughs> Cardi B is getting what she deserves. I, you know, look, I think we, we have great examples of artists who do, right? 
Um, I also think a lot of younger hip hop artists and maybe their first contract was messed up. You hear a lot of stories about the old school guys from the 80s and before the business was fully developed or, or before the artists realized how far the business can really go. Right. You know, we're taking advantage was we're, we're taking advantage of. Um, I do think hip hop artists are preyed upon a lot of times by labels or, 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 or bad management, bad production deals. Because a lot of it is, is you just want to get your stuff out there and, and a lot of young artists will sign the quickest thing. And, you know, when, when you're 18 years old and, and living in the hood and living in Brownsville, Brooklyn or something like that, a $20,000 advance might seem like it could really a change lot of your money, life. Right? Somebody is giving you that advance, betting that your record is generating millions and, and you know, you're, you're, you're with a lower cut. Um, another thing, too, just on the note for any artist watching on, on advances, Listen, the bigger the advance you take out, that's the more money you have to pay back. So you right. also see like in the in, on Twitter, Meek Mill and a lot of popular artists that say, hey, I've, I've never seen an artist. I've never seen a check from my label, which may be true. And it sounds surprising. Like, how can a Meek Mill not see a check from a label? But you also have to ask, well, what was the advance that was given? Because those are recoupable costs. So before you start profit splitting with the label, they want to see you got to pay the advance back. So. Um, you know, while a, great, a big advance is great and it could do a lot for you, don't be tempted by the big money up front either because you have to have the ability to generate enough money to pay that. And, the, and then you, you, you actually have to, hurt, to, to earn it and, and through sales and through streams and stuff like that. Mark, in, in terms of this whole pattern of somebody when they're just starting out making, making a deal for just, just to get some money and then it turning out to come back, was that kind of like the Taylor Swift case where she's 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 exceptional in in so many ways i mean uh but um a few thoughts that came to my mind while everybody yes. was speaking are you know one thing i mean my first gig in new york in journalism I mean, i've always been writing about music but my first paid gig was writing about you know financial stuff and you know that world like the financial world is almost like so much simpler than the music business. Um, it, you know, the music business is just so complicated. So if you're like a young person starting up, I mean, I think, you know, find a good lawyer like Matt, you know, uh, find an A&R person that, that you, you know, trust and can work with well, like like Bobby. I mean, it's it's uh, it's it's just really tricky out there. And then, you know, another thought that I've been, I've been having is, um, you know, we kind of treat this, it's almost like, uh, a lottery, you know, it's like, right. it's like a lottery ticket where it's, it's instead of there being this kind of sustainable path uh, for artists to just be like, okay, I'm going to be able to have a, a medium sized fan base and survive. It's like, I need to either really blow up and then, you know, take some risks and maybe sign a bad deal um, or I'm, or I'm done for. And I think we need to just kind of as an industry, as a community, as a society, you know, if we can make it less of a lottery ticket and more, you know, sustainable path. Uh, and, I think and that about a career, would be and, a, and, about, a career. and about a real career. We're going to talk about that when we come back is there's, is there's a lot more ways too now for artists to make money based on the fame that they they get from the music or from a hit song we're going to talk about that with our panel when we come back don't go away yo what up this your homie ace hood and this is street soldiers with lisa evers real issues real poly tricks and real people only on hot 97 welcome back to this episode of street soldiers we're talking about artists rights and making music joining me for this conversation rob markman he's a hip-hop artist his latest album is if you don't, you'll regret it. Rob, great to have you with us again. Lisa, thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Also with us is Mark Hogan. He's a senior staff writer for Pitchfork. Mark, great to have you with us. Thank you so much. Also with us is Matt Middleton. He's an entertainment attorney. He's, his firm is Middleton Law PC. He's an adjunct professor at NYU. Matt, great to have you with us. 
Thanks for having me, Lisa. I'm glad to be back. Glad to have you back. Thank you so much. Also joining us again, Bobby Fisher, Vice President of A&R at Empire Records. Bobby, great to have you with us. Uh, thank you for having me, Lisa. Okay, Bobby, I'm going to start with you on this. What advice do you, somebody watching this, mm -hmm. listening to this right now, wants to become an artist? Is there, is there like one or two pieces of advice you would give them? Absolutely, this is what you must do. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I would say the first thing is to build your tribe. And what I mean by tribe is utilizing your social media uh, push, gaining fans, gaining friends, and building hub communities so they can spread, they'll be your virtual street team to spread your music outwards. I think that's one of the most important things that I, that I look for. And also making sure that you post content often. I think that's very important. I mean, going back to what Mark said, there's so much music being uploaded to, to DSPs all the time. You can get lost in the sauce. So I would say to your fan base, release often because that can potentially, if, if one record sparks, it could potentially go back to a whole catalog of music that you released previously. Kind of like the Russ business model, um, the, you know, the rapper who went independent, went into the major label space and went back indie. He's built this, this big cult following where it, it, it moves by itself. So th those are the uh, advice that I would give to an expiring artist. So, so you don't subscribe to this idea that some labels have, not yours obviously, but some of them where they're like, they're releasing too much music. You know, they're, the artist is releasing too much music. You say in this day and age, you, you've got to, volume is, volume is key. Quality, quality and volume. I mean, if you're releasing garbage, then it is garbage. But if you're right. releasing quality music, like NBA Youngboy, he released 20, 20 albums in five years. Right. You know, that's kudos to one, to his creativity, to his hustle, but he hasn't lost a step and he's one of, he's top three in YouTube artists on YouTube. So that just goes to show you that consistency matters, but quality and consistency even matters even most. Those are the two. Mark, from everything you've covered um, with music in terms of the, you know, in terms of the craft, in terms of the creative part, and then also in terms of the financial part, do you see certain things that, that you go, gosh, I would just wish I could have just told them or don't they know this? Some type of piece of advice you could share with us? Sure. Well, I mean, I'm of two minds. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a romantic about it also. On one level, I'm kind of like, I you know, just make the music that you love and find some genuine fans because right. they really connect with it. They'll pass it on to other fans. But um, at the same time, I mean, if you're trying to make a living at it, I mean, I think that the the, 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 the most tragic mistake that I see in some of these, you know, uh, sad stories that, that you and I um, cover sometimes uh, is, yeah, I mean, maybe tribe is the right word, as Bobby said. Just have some people around you that you can really trust because I feel like sometimes you see you know, young artists who actually are on the precipice of becoming really famous and just, you know, there's nobody there in that crucial moment. And, right, like you get um, off I stage, think, you get off stage or come home from the studio at two o'clock in the morning and it's, you know. And it's hard to be, you know, in the right. limelight. I and mean, I can't even imagine, um, you know, just, you know, blowing up on Twitter is more than I can handle most days, you know. So it's, uh, yeah, so just get, get people around you that can really, really care for you at the end of the day and make sure that you, you know, um, don't you know overdose or something you know, really yeah no like totally that, that's, that's real yeah that's going to be our next show but that's like uh no de definitely in turn that that are looking out for you and not just what you can do for them or what you can what you can give them in terms of getting exactly rob, rob in terms of in terms of uh from, from the artist side what do you what what do you say to people be prepared to do the work um be committed to do the work um don't get discouraged it might not happen overnight i think we romanticize this thing you know we see Cardi B blow up with Bodak Yellow, but 
She had two mixtapes before that, you know, and she was out in the street hustling and making connections before that. Um, you know, Bobby mentioned Russ. Russ is a, is a personal friend of mine um, who's blowing up now. I remember when Russ was begging blogs and just begging people to listen to his music. He built that up. It didn't happen overnight. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, it very rarely does. And when it does, sometimes it, it goes as quick as it comes. Um, so you got to be prepared to do the work. You got to have good working habits, um, good studio habits. And again, it goes back to that thing that Bobby says of consistency, right? Of consistent posting, consistent music release. That comes from good working habits and dedication. You got to be dedicated to this. It's extremely competitive. 20,000 plus songs every day on Spotify. What's going to make you stand out? your consistency and, and your qualities. So just don't give up if, if it doesn't happen with the first song. It might be the second song. It might be the 200th song. But, you know, if this is truly where you want to be, keep at it. And what what about in terms of as an artist, that like basically the soul, soul of an artist, you stuck with your, what you believe, the music that you love, the form of hip hop that you believe in, you know, you, instead of going with, well, this is the trend this month or this is the trend this year or, or whatever. What about that aspect of staying true and authenticity? Yeah, no, for sure. You de I'm definitely of, of the romanticized mind, like Mark said, of, of where do what you love. I make the music that I love. I know, you know, I make more of a traditional New York hip hop sound because that's what I love and that's what I know. I know it's not the most popular sound right now, especially in the city. You turn on Hot 97, drill is hot right now. Um, I don't necessarily fit into that. Not to say I would never do a drill record, right? Because I also think you have to be willing to experiment, but you have to know who you are. If you're one of these artists who chasing a trend every time the trend changes, the audience will never trust you. So, you know, right. in order for me to be successful, it starts with happiness and that happiness starts with authenticity of myself. So whether I stream one or one million on a song, I, you know, I have to be happy with you it. know that you gave it gave it your all and your heart was in it 100 percent. All right. We're going to we're going to wrap it up with the with our attorney in residence here for the show. <laughs> Matt, <laughs> what do you what do you say to people? Because, again, especially, you know, start starting out and you're young and you're like, they're like, OK, you know, we, we've all even even in my field, you know, contract different contracts. Lisa, I'll manage you. I'm just going to take 10 percent of whatever I'm like, oh, well, I'm getting the job. I'm doing the job. Why am I giving you a cut you. <laughs> of something you didn't do? Just so you know, do you know what I'm saying? Like, do what know. advice do you have? What what advice do you have for for people? Lisa, unfortunately, I I overstand uh, what you just asked and what you just said. My my main advice um, is to all creatives, um, and not just because of the seat that I sit in, is to never sign anything unless you've had someone experienced and competent hopefully an attorney, explain exactly what it is to you. You'd be surprised how many people come into my office um, with the story that they've signed X, Y, and Z. How can I get out? Um, now, you know, we've been successful sometimes in assisting them, but that's not the position that you want to be in. Right. So always, you know, I know everybody's eager to take advantage of opportunities. A lot of up and coming artists just want to get to where they want to be. So they'll sign whatever's presented to them. But that's, that's a recipe for disaster. Always have someone who's experienced and competent review and explain and hopefully negotiate something vigorously so that it's in your best interest. Another piece of advice that I just want to give just based upon what the other panelists have shared is creativity, creativity and staying true to who you are as an artist is so important. Apple 
um, stream, what's streaming mostly on Apple is catalog music. That's music that's been out 20, 30 years. Like if you want to be in a position like Bruce Springsteen, Sting, Bob Dylan, where in 20 or 30 years you can sell your catalog for hundreds of millions of dollars, we have to create music that can stand the test of time and not just follow the current trend. I'm actually frightened at some of the music that's coming out now because I don't know if we'll be listening to it 20 or 30 years from now, just right. being honest. You know, I know streaming is key and volume is key, but stay true to yourself as an artist and let's not lose the creativity because we want to create music that can be around 20 or 30 years from now. That's what I think is key. Correct. All right. Well, I want to thank you all for being with us for this episode of Street Soldiers. Rob Markman, Matt Middleton, uh, Mark Hogan, Bobby Fisher, guys. Thank you so much for being with us for this episode of Street Soldiers. Thank and thank you for joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm Lisa Evers. Remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. Let's push for peace, love, and justice for all.